Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look back on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Smackdown, but also Money in Row and NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with the Bully Quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review the best wrestling show of the week. No, dear, that's wrong. Smackdown, what did you make of it this week? Uneven <laughs> is the word I would use to describe this and, in fact, most other WWE television shows. There were two good matches, let down by this weird atmosphere that receives most every WWE match on television where it's like there's some great or very good action and the fans just aren't going wild for it. So it always affects it in some way. These crowds, and I don't want to place the blame on the crowds, it's the booking, but in response to the booking, the crowds are just, eh. There was a really nice promo segment, full of intrigue, really well performed. What I'm about to say, Wilborn, might scan as hyperbole or exaggeration or whatever. On literally every WWE show, even the very good ones, and I'm talking the pay-per-views, right? On every single WWE show, and this goes back however long you want to apply a parameter, there is always something bad. There hasn't been a top-to-bottom flawless, everything was great, let's get hyped, WWE show since Evolution 2018. Every single WWE show, even the ones that people go mad about, has something really bad, stupid, disastrous rubbish on it. And this is true of SmackDown. This I was going to say, let's find out what it was this week. Uh, we started with contract signing Carnage. Uh, the show opened uh, with Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks all set up to sign the contract for their triple threat match at Crown Jewel. But they weren't all in the ring. Bianca Belair was in the ring. Sasha Banks was standing on a table, and Becky was sitting in the aisle with her very own table as well. And they recapped just everything. SmackDown recaps are a regular occurrence now. It saves me so much time on the rewatch. Because um, you're not goldfish. Actually, you are. You've been photoshopped and confirmed as mm-hmm. a goldfish. Reddit, Reddit's front page, nonetheless. So... 
pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, we'll have to post a tweet for a reference underneath. Oh, oh no. The picture, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, have so to, we'll have to do it now. We've talked about it. Becky Lynch mocks Belair for being on a losing streak. She calls uh, Sasha Banks a disco ball. Sasha Banks says, well, I think everyone's jealous because I'm a bigger star than both of you. Everyone's talking about me. And then Belair says, well, I'm only talking about you because you, all you do is return all the time. And she says, look, I'm the real, you know, key thing that's that's the most relevant and important thing in women's wrestling today. She says, let's get on with this. Why don't you all get in the ring and we can sign the contract together. Uh, they refuse. Belair hoys one of the chairs out of the ring. This riles up Becky Lynch, who flips her table in the midst of all this. Uh, of course, because Bianca Belair is distracted, distracted. Sasha Banks jumps in, starts beating her down. There's a big brawl. In comes Becky Lynch. It's all a massive brawl. Uh, and in the end... Um, Belair knocks both women into the corner in a, an amazing feat of strength, picks both of them up for the KOD. Banks slips out, but uh, Belair spins Becky Lynch around, catches Banks with, oh, goodness me, with Becky Lynch's legs. She goes on the table, and Becky Lynch gets KOD'd through the table, through Sasha Banks, to leave Belair standing tall at the end of this segment. But no one signed a contract. Oh, Christ, that means we're going to get another one of these next week. Possibly. I mean, it probably will mean that. Look, I'm a cynical guy. Contract signings are an angle, and they are designed to hook you into the upcoming match. This did that, so I'll have a few complaints about that. Solid. No mm. complaints. Yeah, that's how I get just about this. <laughs> but ultimately, that little three-way sequence was really well done, um, very creative, kind of out of nowhere, unpredictable, a nice exploration of the chemistry that they have and the things that they can do um, in the match at Crown Jewel, is it? Indeed. So that was cool. Like, the three-way spot with the table was good. I'm no fan of, you suck, I'm the best. No, you suck, I'm the best. No, you suck, I'm the best, because that just tells you three people on some level have something about them that sucks. (laughs) So I'm never a fan of the way that WWE does their promos, in terms of the content, the scripting, whatever. But I really liked that physical interaction, and that's all WWE has going for it. (laughs) So if you can sort of tease how good the match is going to be, that's one thing. You should realistically strive for a real sense of, like, gravity and emotion and importance on the match, which I didn't really get. But the little tease of what you might see in the match itself was really, really cool. So I will give it a pass. Yeah, I hope that's a a sneak peek that we're going to get, I was going to say double team moves, but moves on two people in the, throughout this build towards Crown Jewel, because you could hit a do- two-person manhandle slam and you could probably hit a two-person backstabber, although it's going to suck to take it. I like that. And like you say, Bianca Belair's just feats of strength are a crutch that I happily will allow WWE to lean upon because it's just insane what she can do. Absolutely. Like the best, like Bianca Belair's had a sneaky good year on pay-per-view overshadowed by how rubbish the creative's been, mm. like laughing Bailey, can she coexist with Sasha Banks? It's all largely been quite putrid. But every one of her matches, or virtually every one of her matches, has really explored how strong she is, really creatively and really well. So I expect the triple threat to be able to do this, but much better. It's almost like when the creative part of WWE is disconnected and they just get to the wrestling part. Hey, this is quite good. I mean, it happens every single day. In this company, and this was another illustration of that. I love that. What's the problem here? When we take the creative away, we get these great matches that universally get praised. 
more scripting. That's what we yes. need to do more of. Anyway, we'll go to the back and hey, Kayla is there. Uh, she is with the Mysterios. Uh, Ray's talking about winning King of the Ring. Dominic's not even in the bloody tournament. Cool. Say like, eh? Uh, I'll give you the brackets, actually. Now, Rey Mysterio versus Sami Zayn on the left-hand side of the bracket. Although also on the left-hand side, Cesaro Finn Balor, which we'll get later on. And on the other side, we'll talk probably more about this in the Raw preview later on, Kofi Kingston versus Jinder Mahal and Xavier Woods versus Ricochet, which could mean... We'll get to that in the Raw preview. Anyway, um... So uh, Ray walks out, and Dom says to him beforehand, although I don't know, we can't hear it for some reason. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna stay in the back. He's gonna let his dad handle his thing out there. And Ray looks a bit befuddled, but he goes out there anyway. Uh, and just before Sammy makes his entrance after the break, he uh, approaches Dominic and he says, "I think you made the right decision. We all kind of know you're better than your dad. Trust your instincts. Good. More of that sort of thing for me." And they also showed. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura giving up his crown and made it like it's a big thing, despite the fact he never won King of the Ring. He just had a weird feud with Baron Corbin. Anyway, Sami Zayn versus Rey Mysterio. Surprise, surprise, these two work pretty well in the ring together. Uh, and also, as they make their entrances, we see that there are thrones and crowns all there for the king and queen of the... Oh, no, we can't call it that. The king of the ring and the queen's crown, crown tournament, tournament winner, because... Why? Okay. Um, so, yeah, as I said, Ray and Zane go back and forth. We've seen these two great, do great things together. Zane goes to the outside. Mysterio flips over the top rope, catches him with a hurricane rana. Uh, Zane recovers, and as they're back in the ring, he hoys Mysterio shoulder first into the ring post as we head towards the break, and that causes Dominic to come out and check on his dad. And Pat McAfee goes full Hulk Hogan at Bash at the Beach. But whose side is he on? Probably his dad's for now, yeah. Pat. Calm down. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, anyway, come back from the break. Zane's going for the Huluva kick. Mysterio avoids it. Follows up with a code red. Gets a near fall off that. Uh, they're fighting on the top rope. Zane knocks Mysterio down, but Mysterio recovers and hits a beautiful springboard Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Later on, another Hurricane Rana gets Zane in position for the 619, but Zane avoids it. Hits the Blue Thunderbomb and doesn't get the pin off the Blue Thunderbomb. Who could have seen that one coming? Uh, Zane rips off one of the turnbuckle pads. Dominic hops up to try and fix it. This distracts Sammy Zane. It allows Mysterio to hit a senton on him. But then Ray starts telling Dominic to piss off, basically, and get down. He gets knocked into his own son by Sammy Zane. Roll up. One, two, three. Sami Zayn advances, and there's the brilliant visual, and hopefully, possibly the end visual, maybe even, of Sami Zayn putting on the king's cape and crown and, well, pulling it off very nicely indeed. The more of this Mysterio's dysfunction, I suppose, here. I can't believe I didn't think of this when we were previewing this tournament on the um, SmackDown preview last week. Uh, Sami Zayn can't win this. He's not going to work in Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. I read this on Twitter. I'm thinking, how the hell have I missed that? Maybe it's my overwhelming tedium with WWE where I don't even think about it. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so he's not going to win. He can't win. Unless they've changed their mind. <laughs> I sincerely doubt that one. So he's not going to win it. Um, cool, so Finn Balor's going to the finals. <laughs> yeah, it would appear so. Okay, fair it enough. so. Um, look, I hated this finish because, like... Dominic was just trying to do a nice thing. Yeah. And realistically, if you're in that moment, if someone's trying to help you, it's like, cheers, son. You sort that out. I'll try and win the match because I'm in a match. And you don't think, 
What's he doing that for? Obviously, all right, he's helping me. That's good. Um, I will avoid doing any attacks into that area while he helps me, my son. And he goes ballistic. And it's just like, you're in a match. Because the Rey Mysterio is the heel of this piece. I hate to tell you all, but Dominic Mysterio is going to get a hero's reception, where he, especially from the Wilborn household. When he, in electric chairs, oh my his God. dad oh. on that ramp. And I've said it's going to be coming. I said it wasn't going to be this week. I said we're just getting there slowly but surely. And the moment that turnbuckle, turnbuckle pad got ripped off, I was like, yes, more problems for the Mysterio family. Yes, please. Right, before I give my brief thoughts on this match, you know you're literally a dog. Huh? You're a dog. We have this thing in what culture law, the law of the office, the old office, and mercifully it's kind of coming back bit by bit, where we used to call Adam Wilborn the banter hound because whenever there was like some kind of conversation or someone after popping off in a different pocket of the office, oh, yeah. Wilborn would be like, what's this, what's this, what's this? Banter, 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 woo! He was like drawn to banter. Yeah. Literally like those dogs floating for pies. <laughs> And I think it's you're not just the banter hound. I think you are a hound. <laughs> Thank you. You've got more in co- more DNA in common with a dog <laughs> than with a human being. Now, there's no scientific basis for this, but it is scientific fact. This thing with Dominic Mysterio yeah. on Ray on his shoulders, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You get jazzed for this uh-huh. in the same way as a dog gets jazzed for like, oh, my God. My owners are barking. It's like, it happens every day. Do you not get bored? You have this reset in your head where you can get hyped for the same things every day, like a hound. Mm-hmm. That's but, fair. Uh, this match was good. This match was good. Like, some of the Hurricane Runners were pretty sweet. Yeah. Like, the way it was worked, it was like two masters. Like, even them doing a WWE-style match, but more exciting on kind of TV-level autopilot was really smooth, really crisp, really well-worked, really dramatic. It's just, again, the crowd's like, can you imagine? And again, it's WWE's biggest nemesis is itself because for years there's been so much bad. As I said, something bad on every show. Sometimes every show's bad for like months at an end that we're left with a crowd that just watches it quite dispassionately. And they don't go mad for things because it's just the complexion. Like, the people who used to go crazy and be defiant and engage in the Yes movement and all the rest of it, those are the fans that have left and watch AEW and go crazy for it with full emotional investment. So you're left now with a really kind of casual WWE crowd who will respond to certain spots in matches and go, oh, that was cool, but they're not mad into it. And that's infectious, unfortunately. Because they know they're not going to get a proper result, let's be perfectly honest. But the thing is, I don't think they're that bothered. Yeah. They just go to the wrestling show that they like, and it's not... I just feel like it's a lack of passion in these arenas in every single pocket. Poor bastards, Chan and Wee want Brock. I was like, there's no way he's there this week, guys. I don't know. He's not advertised. He's not going to be there. Uh, they get a promo video following this to hype Hit Row's uh, arrival on Friday Night Smackdown. And then they have another recap segment. Save me a load of time watching this. Uh, with Seth Rollins <laughs> and Edge. Kayla catches up with Rollins backstage. Asks if he crossed the line a little bit by invading another person's home and saying that his it's children's drawings trash. I don't think I've ever buried the interviewer questions. That's more an Alvarez thing. He's got that one covered. Yeah. He hates how stupid these questions are. Would you say they have one chance to interview these people each week and it's, what's the terminology you'd use? Maybe like wasted or frittered away. Frittered away with a microphone. 
here's the thing. When I talk about WWE being so bad that it's impossible to capture how bad it is, hence why I always do the disclaimer on every Raw review. There's no main event, it's all contrived. There is so much bad that I just miss things. I just gloss over things that are bad about the show because they're just so known to be bad. The interviewer questions are stupid. I don't think I even bury the camera cuts in the way it's shot anymore because it's just, it's only so much time in the podcast. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about this? Oh, I was pissed off, obviously. I'm Edge. I'm do pissed you, off about everything with my glowering. This person uh, killed your family and ate them. Do you think they may have crossed the line uh, somewhat? Um, well, I think I was justified in my point, so yeah, no. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, Rollins says, look, that is what most people believe, that maybe he went slightly too far invading another man's house. Um, but he said he's the bigger man and he's going to challenge Edge to determine that. He says, actually, why am I talking to you? Very accurate point. But I like Helen Braxton. Don't be nasty to her. Uh, he says he doesn't know why he's talking to her. He's going to go and find someone with some power instead. Some sort of, I don't know, authority figures, maybe. Uh, and then we get the Queen's Crown Tournament, the first match in the inaugural Queen's Crown Tournament, because it's a dumb name for a dumb tournament. Uh, the brackets are Zelina Vega and Tony Storm and Carmella and Liv Morgan on one side of the bracket. On the other side, <laughs> versus Natalia. Ooh, can't wait for that one. And Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler. I cannot wait for that one, to be fair. The first match is Tony Storm versus Zelina Vega and Michael Sidgwick. If someone, an alien landed and said... Can you distill WWE's awful scripted promos into two sentences? I would hand them what Selena Vega and Tony Storm said before their matches here. Do you remember this? Selena Vega, in a little picture-in-picture as she's walking down to the ring, says, I'm going to win this uh, Queen's Crown Tournament. I'm going to have the heartlessness of Cleopatra and the strategic genius of Alexander the Great. Everyone's going to kiss my ring. And Tony Storm, I'm not so sure if you know this, she's a, she's a wild child in the 80s. I fucking love talking about that. Well, uh, she's going to win it because she's got the boldness of Joan Jett. Wait a second. She's one of those music people. The tenacity of Bruce Springsteen. And the epicness of, I don't know, but not Madonna. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely pathetic company. What? I just, I can only imagine, like, the dichotomy of the person writing that and going, yeah, that's what I want them to say. Vince will love that. I hate my life. <laughs> like, because there's no way you're like, yeah, that's the, that's the line I want to write. Like, I just, it made me sick in my mouth hearing them say these sentences. It's just the worst scripting of all time. Mm. It, no one's a human being. That's it. That's my take. And uh, Andy Murray informed me that the two women's matches on this show, we'll talk more about the frustration of the women's division when we get maybe to the Carmella Liv Morgan match. Both of these matches took less time combined than Roman Reigns' entrance on SmackDown this week. <laughs> tells you all you need to know. Uh, it's very great watching this like on rewatch when it's on DVR or Trusting Diane because you just don't have to watch the entrance. Uh, Storm, it's very brief, it's like two minutes. Storm initially has the advantage. Vega hits it with a Thez press. She, gets, she hits a knee and slows the pace down on a two-minute match, as I repeat myself here. Uh, Storm fights back, goes up top. Vega pulls her off. Storm goes for a backslide, but Vega hits the code red and just wins. And I was like, oh, well, there goes Tony Storm's push then. I thought, like, she could be a genuine contender for the Queen's Crown Tournament. It's a great launch pad for her, but no. She's got to lose loads on the main roster before they can make her. 
I mean, the thing is, the actual physical way in which they executed this finish was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. It looked look great. It looked great. Gray for him, like the actual code red deal looked awesome, but why would you do it like this? And also, if if I was an idiot who'd forgotten the last I don't know ten weeks of SmackDown where Zelina Vegas won, I think maybe one match where Liv Morgan had to beat her to get that match with Carmella that she got anyway at Extreme Rules. You know, I wouldn't know that <laughs> Zelina Vega who was. Prior to that match was 0-9 since arriving back in WWE. And, you know, she was one of my she was my pick for Miss Money in the Bank, for example. And then they beat her and they beat her and beat her and beat her and beat her and beat her. And then they go, she's won. There you go. Back in the game, baby. However you analyze this, you can ask a million questions and you'll never get answers. And all the questions are pertinent. Here's a question for you. Why was Selena Vega in the tournament? Yeah. To begin with. Well, because Naomi couldn't be in it. Like her because she's an authority. Yeah, but figure. there's more women. What about Knox or Shotzi? Considering they've got decent winning records that never arrived at the, the women's tag team. Yeah. I mean, like this show is so bad. <laughs> People think it's good. They don't think it's good. They are in denial. They want it to be better than it is because they are little babas. People are praising dynamite. <laughs> cry my little eyes out. You just have to wank yourself to death. <laughs> have a little cry and have a little wank. <laughs> I mean, this, the, the the wins and losses don't matter thing has <laughs> killed a lot of people's investment in this company and it's never been more pronounced. Why am I watching it? Do you know what? They, whatever they called next week's SmackDown, Size SmackDown, I thought, how ironic that they're there going, hey, guys, Supersize SmackDown, We've actually booked stuff for this show. I mean, it's probably going to change at the last minute anyway, but... I mean, how apropos that they are referring to their hollow, rubbish, content churn programming after a McDonald's portion. (laughs) How fitting. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, Let's move on to Roman Reigns, the undisputed star of this show. Like I say, a usual uh, extended entrance, let's say, with uh, Reigns and Heyman. Making good time, that's good. Uh, Get a big reaction, do all the acknowledge me stuff. And then he says, look, Paul Heyman's job last week, or this week actually, uh, was to make sure the Usos stayed on SmackDown, and he did. So everyone should acknowledge Paul Heyman as well. And he turns to Paul Heyman, he says, I love you, Paul, but I want you to tell me the truth. Uh, there's a big Suplex City chant, and Roman says, this isn't Suplex City, this is the island of relevancy. And Reigns demands that Paul Heyman admits that he is the reason... Tony Storm's not relevant anymore, so... <laughs> he is behind Lesnar being a free agent. Heyman looks absolutely terrified. He says, I'm in a tough position. He tries to talk about the history he's had with Roman Reigns and his family. He says, hey, I am guilty of a lot of things. As your lawyer, I would advise you to not admit that, but still. Uh, But he's not stupid. He says, look, if I was going to have some sort of scheme to to trick you and actually surprise me on Brock Lesnar's side of all this, why would I, you know, release that scheme now? Why would I make that obvious now? Surely if I was going to do that, I'd just find out what your strategy is going to be at Crown Jewel and leak it to Brock and then reveal myself to be this double agent or whatever. He goes to promise Roman Reigns that, look, you're definitely going to beat Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Reigns stops him with that wonderful air of menace he's got about him. He says, don't tell me. Look down that camera there and tell Brock Lesnar. And uh, Heyman does so with this ominous Reigns standing, arms folded in the background. He says, ah, well, the monster taught Frankenstein something here, Brock, eh? I'm going to give you credit on teaching me a lesson. He talks about Lesnar defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, doing all these things that many thought was impossible. But, unfortunately, Heyman knows what's going to happen to Lesnar at Crown Jewel. He had this discussion years ago. You have met your match. It's Roman Reigns. Reigns is going to walk out of champion, uh, Crown Jewel as the champion. That's not just a prediction, Brock. That's a spoiler. And... You can believe that. Really enjoyed this segment. I really enjoyed it. Do you want to know why I really enjoyed it? Why? It's because one of the principles involved in this segment has got credibility behind them. It's not just watching some match where it's like, yeah, yeah, athletically it's really good and there's enough fire in there and you can tell the two guys are up for it, like Sami Zayn versus Rey Mysterio, which in the moment it's like, yes, this is no right. And wait to spend my time, but I can't possibly get into it. This is different. This isn't just throwing people together in a ring that you know you can work a good match. For years, 
Paul Heyman's been doing this prediction, not a spoiler bit. Spoiler, not a prediction bit, mm-hmm. whatever you, way you want to put it. And I can take him seriously because, what, 99 times out of 100, mm-hmm. everything he said came true. So when he turned to the camera under Roman Reigns urging, Roman Reigns was, again, fantastic. Again, doing very little yeah. overtly in this segment, just conveying a massively imposing presence just with his own, like, resting state. Mm. BDE, some might say. Indeed. Big dog energy. <laughs> nice. When Roman Re- uh, Paul Heyman finally turned to the camera and did his promo, I genuinely felt like, well, this rules, because I'm taking everything you say seriously. Your delivery is as fabulous as it always is. And now I'm thinking, well, there can't possibly be any sort of scheming going on behind the curtain between you and Brock Lesnar. But it's rarely so simple in pro wrestling. Put simply, I was really on the hook for this. I've been waiting for them to sort of say one way or the other what Paul Heyman's, where his head at, where mm. his heart is, where his loyalties lie. He was finally, through the very credible um, suggestion mm. of Roman Reigns, he was finally told, right, Say it right now. Say it right now. And he did. But as I said, it's really so simple. And we know it's not. So I'm really, really on the hook for this. Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the By old, far the best thing on the show. It's the old, is Paul Heyman an agent for Roman Reigns? Or is he a double agent? Or is he a triple agent pretending to be a double agent? Or is he a quadruple, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it was all really masterfully done. Uh, genuinely, it was a little bit, Jesus Christ, he's nailed his colors to the mast here. Mm. Like, really, really good stuff. Um, the free agent thing is a little bit lame. I understand that Brock Lesnar probably is a free agent. He could theoretically lose to um, Roman and then just start afresh on Raw as these things tend to go. Like, Lesnar versus Big E. Lesnar is a heel against Big E. That would rule. It would be scary for a lot of people, but I think it would rule. Um, So I don't know why, particularly when Roman Reigns is probably going to start bitching about Raw within like three weeks (laughs) in the build to Survivor Series because the whole idea is he's going to be representing SmackDown. So I don't know if he's jealous that Brock can be a free agent and go on both shows because he's going to bury the hell out of one of these shows in about three weeks. <laughs> or if it's just the suggestion that Lesnar's still working with Heyman in mm. some capacity. Either way, you know, I probably shouldn't bitch about it because they are giving themselves an out to have Roman beat Brock or they're just giving you opportunities. They're giving you they're giving themselves narrative opportunities. They're giving you think you, the viewer, things to think about. Just very quickly, as you mentioned Big E there, did you see Big E's involvement with Wilder and Fury at the weekend? Absolutely should have been doing things like this about seven years oh, ago. Oh, sensational. If you haven't gone and seen that, go and, go and check it out. He does the sort of hype piece for each fight ahead of that epic uh, Fury-Wilder three fight. And yeah, like you say, hey, who knew this guy could do this? <laughs> yeah, no. All of us except you, WWE. Anyway, uh, Seth Rollins goes into Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville's office. He asked if Edge is showing up tonight. Uh, and uh, he says, you know what, I'm going to go down to the ring in the main event, if this time, obviously, uh, as long as Finn Balor and Cesaro wrap things up in time, presumably, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge Edge, and then he says, oh, by the way, if you see him, can you give him this? And he's taking a photo of Edge having a bit of a smooch with Beth Phoenix. What a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Second match in the Queen's Crown Tournament. It's Liv Morgan, Carmella. We've seen this match a million times. Obviously, Selena Vega's up on one side of the bracket. It's going to be Liv Morgan's victory. Um, Carmella puts on that mask that protects her face. And then she goes, ah! 
<laughs> yeah. It was Why like, does she do this? I don't know. It was horrible. Uh, piece of material doesn't protect your face whatsoever. Uh, that's why Rey Mysterio can lose because, yeah, it's just material on your face. Uh, but uh, Morgan- didn't Rey Mysterio wearing a mask get his eyeball gouged out of his head, <laughs> yes. and she thinks it's going to protect her? Yeah, mistake he made is cutting eye holes clearly in that mask. Otherwise, Seth Rollins would be. I was going to say blinded right now, but then Ray's got both eyes still. So it's out. What a call. Uh, anyway, Morgan jumps Carmella immediately. They fight back immediately. Carmella actually puts her in a code of silence. Makes her look like a bit of an idiot, if I'm honest. Uh, but Liv Morgan gets out of it in the babyface way of pulling at her opponent's mask. Um, Liv Morgan hits the oblivion. There we go. One, two, three. Oh, no, wait a second. Uh, Carmella gets her foot on the ropes, blocks another oblivion attempt, uh, hangs Morgan up on the top rope, super kicks her, and beats her. What? What is going on here? Carmella goes through. She's going to face Zelina Vega in the semifinals. Oh, good. A heel versus heel match. This is what I want to see. And, yeah, this is a microcosm. Apparently, this was changed at the last minute because, of course, it was because the Liv Morgan advancing and potentially becoming what is effectively Queen of the Ring made the most sense. And yet, here we are. And, at best, what they're going to do is shenanigans involving either Carmella and Zelina Vega and Liv Morgan being put back in, despite the fact she was beaten fair and square here. But like I said, this is a microcosm of frustration within uh, WWE's women's division, particularly on the blue brand, which is completely justified, I think it's fair to say. Well, if you're Liv Morgan, you're getting tormented. There's no direction for your, for your career. They arbitrarily change match results on a total whim. There's no focus. You're taking bumps for no reason whatsoever because it's not as if it's like, I mean, if you're a bit rubbish and you're taking bumps and you're a bit rubbish and they kind of tell you you, they think you're a bit rubbish because they beat you all the time, you probably think, right, okay, well, that is what it is. You're still getting some money. If you're Liv Morgan, you're probably thinking like, that's actively screwing with her career for reasons that no rational sane mind could ever analyze because we're not dealing with one there's no explanation there's no purpose in watching it and again it's almost like it's going to be a wave of defiance like the live movement like that's just <laughs> not going to happen anymore no one cares enough the thing is if you just said to me on friday when we were doing the preview uh, i have seen the spoilers for this queen's crown tournament bracket this side of things and it's not going to be a baby faces versus heel dynamic in the semi-final I'd have said, great, because then we get Liv Morgan versus Tony Storm, which would be great. And yeah, and I love them, but we're getting Carmella versus Selena Vega in the semifinals. What? I mean, who cares? We've already wasted enough time thinking about I get their frustration, though, like you say, with not just the randomness of the booking, but also this was a minute and a half, this match. The other match was two minutes, two and a half minutes at best. It's like, come on, four minutes total match time. Preposterous, but the, the more you put, like got. the more you put, like it's like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, one minute match, one minute match, one minute match. You do three of these, you ruin the performance next six months. This uh, run in WWE has to be great for people to finally, finally take someone halfway seriously. And it's like imagine and how often in, does that happen? Imagine coming in, you're you're Liv Morgan, and oh, I'm losing, and I'm losing in a minute and a half because of Carmella being allegedly as they said on commentary, protected by her mask from some offense. It's like, can I not at least get, like, 
four more minutes for the match to tell a bit of a story. No, no, no. We need to. We need that time for the the happy talk segment that's coming in a bit where nothing was advanced whatsoever. Anyway, well, the best thing is when someone gets kicked in the back of the thigh. People could just go, all right, okay, well, it's all right, I'm wearing, t- I'm wearing tights. Maybe that's why CM Punk wears a long boys. What an absolute, it's just insane. Let's get to your favourite part of SmackDown this week, and that was the interview with Mace. Here he was with Kayla Braxton talking about being drafted uh, from Raw. Um, she says, uh, you know, what do you reckon to the competition here on, uh, uh, no, how are you looking to compete here on SmackDown? Say he half says, the people were on Raw with me, so the same thing. Uh, he says, well, <laughs> compete implies that there is competition here on SmackDown, Kayla. I don't see anyone on my level when I looked around the locker room. I'm not coming to SmackDown to compete. I'm coming to annihilate. Maybe there's some magical property in the blue robe that's different to the red. That I, I don't care about anything. Uh, let's get to my highlight, and that was Madcap Moss cracking some jokes on Happy Talk. Oh, what, my, oh my God. What instrument is found in the bathroom, Michael Sidgwick? It's a doob doob based. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think Madcap Moss is pretty I good now. I think it's a complete cock. <laughs> yeah, so we were meant I mean, to be- I'm, I'm the way he's scripted. Come on, let's not be uh, an idiot out there. Let's not be a mock. I'm talking about the way he's scripted. I, I genuinely, the first time I heard him, and they recap, they need, needlessly recap this segment from last week, this week. I genuinely was like half asleep watching SmackDown the other weekend. And when they went, Oh, you got some jokes? And he went, I've got three jokes. It's two sweet ones and a long one. I thought maybe I'd imagine him saying the words joke, joke, joke. But that happened, didn't it? I think that's, so. That's, that's what they think. A joke is the you saying the word joke. What? I, I, I know, mate. What is comedy? Is my question to you. It's not this. No, I'll tell you what comedy is. These nuts. Oh, there you go. 3,000. <laughs> what the hell, sir? <laughs> you don't care touch the stuff, man. Go on, what do you want to press this time? I don't know. Go on, press the button and see what happens. Go on, roll the dice, huh? Uh, I'm going to do this thing, right? I'm going to close my eyes. Okay. Hey, hey, that's comedy. Five, get in. We've, we've salvaged it. Uh, Owens came out, uh, tried to have a fight with them both, and numbers game caught up and he got the crap kicked out of him. Again! Baron Corbin's entire WWE career <laughs> can be distilled into these three things that he does. Because remember the oh, remember the the dog on the Tron, the Tron dog? Yeah. And it was going... It was meant to be like, yeah. the whole gag was like, Roman Reigns is a little baby dog with no walls. Yeah. Yeah, no cat, get no walls. <laughs> you got no cat, they got to be noted. You got to be noted. <laughs> got no cat, no walls, got to be noted. But when he's doing that, it's a little ankle biter, come on. <laughs> Baron Corbin's entire career and every feud has been to tell bad on-purpose jokes, work terrifically boring matches, and lower the stock of everyone he works with, considering the amount of television time he gets, <laughs> how long his feud goes, how poor off everyone is for being around him, and he might be the worst ca- character on this television. And I hate you, Wilborn, for trying to make a meme out of Happy Corbin just because he want he cut one half decent promo on a YouTube exclusive. Like Ricochet's Ric Flair <laughs> on a Rick on. A promo exclusive in terms of how good a promo he is comparison to the TV. Yeah. Now get worked by these exclusive promos. 
my potential haunts me. Yeah, well, <laughs> good they, line, but what's it, well, what's it, how much is that going to affect your career? Naomi's backstage. She's furious about not being involved in this uh, Queen's Crown tournament. Uh, Sonia Deville says, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of being a queen. You're not even worthy of being on the SmackDown roster. Well, why, why did you draft her then? Well, I suppose she did say it wasn't my my decision. But Whose uh, decision was it? I don't really know. Don't think about this too much. Anyway. Why would Fox and USA tell, if, if it is in fact there, and they kind of said in a throwaway line that it was, why would they go, well... This performance being rubbish, and these other 15 ones, yeah, we don't like what you've done on this show, so just go to the other one, we'll have some more people instead. Like, what does that say? Why do a draft? I also, I they did this big draft, and they was like, it's the greatest draft ever in history, and then Naomi, when she found out that Sonya Deville hated her even more now she was still on SmackDown, just turned to Postman Pierce and went, oh, can you just draft me to Raw instead? Oh, so these are meaningless and can be changed at the whim of the people in power. See, it works in sports, because the whole idea is... You don't have to promote people because you're not a promotion. You're a sporting franchise who wants to win. So you can let go of players because it doesn't matter that you think they're bad because the idea is you're willing to trade them and get some other people in. It's the same company. So if you're trading people and picking people last and not picking people at all, the, the effect of which is, oh, these are all rubbish. It's the same company, so please watch the other show. It's <laughs> just all so bad. Uh, but when she asked to move brands, Sonia Deville says... Oh, I'm st- I need to piss at this point. Sonia Deville says she's not done with Naomi yet. Uh, she's got a match next week. Naomi asks against who? And Sonia Deville says me. I mean, I am looking forward to that. I'll give them that. Sonia Deville returns to the wrestling ring, especially against Naomi's going to be mint. If it happens. If, it's, if it happens and if it's given enough time, I suppose. What was given time was Finn Balor versus Cesaro, the queen, king of the ring uh, bracket match that came next these two obviously just work brilliantly together. I sense that Fergal and Claudio probably did some great stuff on the indies back in the day as well. There you go, you bloody marks. You love all those old school references, <laughs> don't you? Uh, Cesaro in, he takes early advantage. It's this beautiful looking tilt world backbreaker. Gets a near fall. He's nailing him with uppercuts, but Bala comes out the corner on one attempt and hits him with a sling blade. Goes up top, but Cesaro hits him with another vicious uppercut. Superplex, near fall off that. Uh, Cesaro puts puts him in a crossface. Bala counters it, gets a near fall off the back of it. Again, counters the swing to get a near fall off that. Sends Cesaro to the outside. Hits this beautiful-looking flip dive out there. Shotgun drop kick uh, as they come back in. Coup de gras, one, two, three. Finn Bala advances. Well, to the finals, we assume, because he's facing Sammy in the semis, and you pointed out, yep, he's not going to be going to Saudi Arabia. Um, But yeah, these two great. Surprise, surprise. Yes, but. Very good match, but. I went into it having the smallest opinion of both men. One, because Cesaro, after his WrestleMania moment, and losing to Roman Reigns, uh, it has been conveyed to me that I shouldn't care about him because the promoter doesn't either. That's always a bad thing because it just makes me not want to invest in a match because ultimately, looking at the last two or three months of his career, what's the point? Finn Balor's a fish who looked like a tit at Extreme Rules. I don't think of him as someone who, if I watch this guy work and it's all meant to mean something because it's episodic TV, I just can't get into it. Add that to the fact that this style of match it's just not something the WWE crowd really goes for, irrespective of how good it was. And this is very good when it yeah. was like really pulsing with excitement. So yeah, there's always a caveat to anything that's good in this company. I tell you what, 
one thing that popped my tits off was um, Finn Balor's like crossed leg victory rule thing where he crosses his legs mm. to escape and gets swing, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. absolutely lush. Genuinely made me bite on the near fall. Like beautiful, great form mouth, <laughs> great athletic and endeavor, tactical mindset to do that counter. Just both of you just go to dark elevation. <laughs> Not dynamite yet, mind you, because them cards are stacked, brother. It's quite busy, yeah. I don't even know if I can put you on that car. But Dark Elevation, uh, build your careers, your dead careers from the ground up. <laughs> you said earlier we had a contract signing with no signing of a contract. We got it here. Uh, Becky Lynch moaning to the people in power, and they went, oh, yeah, I know, but can you sign the contract? And so can she you just, just did. your job? So she did. Uh, and then we get to the main event uh, with Mrs. Becky Lynch, that is, Seth Rollins, of course. He comes out. Uh, he insists that Edge comes down, accept his challenge, uh, he says, what happened to you, Edge? And then he goes, oh, yeah, I ended you in Madison Square Garden with a curb stomp. And he says, look, Edge, you you staying silent. That's just a way your way of admitting that I'm better and you and I'm not Edge Light. He said, look, calm down, Edge. You can have any match you want, anywhere you want. I'll have whatever match, wherever you want, in the words of the other promotion. Um, you can have it in Edge's living room and your wife and kids can be cheering you on. He said, look, you not responding is just not only disappointing me, you're disappointing the fans and you're disappointing the family. <laughs> of course, then, suddenly, just in time, actually, good job, good job we didn't hit any traffic, uh, Edge shows up backstage in his truck Gets out, storms down to the rings. Only a couple of minutes left on this show. Uh, Rollins panics, dives out the ring, grabs a chair, dives back in. But in the, in the time it's taken him to do that, Edge has made it to the ring, spears Seth Rollins. Uh, they brawl around ringside. He knocks uh, Rollins over the announce table, hoys him back in the ring and does that bit where he stomps off a bit of the chair to use it as part of the crossface. Goes for it, but uh, Rollins elbows him in the neck and uh, just gets out of dodge. So Edge, furious, gets on the mic and simply says, you, me, hell in a frill. And Rollins' face goes from you know anger and, and, and smugness and all the usual things to just sheer terror. And we get a bit of a yes chant as uh, Edge stares him down as the show goes off the air. What do you think of this confrontation and this challenge from Edge to close the show? It was outrageous, wasn't it? <laughs> it was inoffensive. You can't complain. I mean, you can't complain because being able to have no complaints is, in fact, a complaint of mine. Uh, you know what I'm interested in more than the storyline, like by some by orders of magnitude, is that. Do they really want to call it hell in a cell in Saudi Arabia? Well, they've already got Goldberg threatening to kill people left, right, and center, so why not? Yeah, but over there, hell's bad and killing people's good. So... <laughs> Maybe there'll be some kind of like new name. Oh my god! I didn't even think about that. Like maybe they'll catch wind of the fact that you can't call it that, so you'll have to call it something else. And maybe they'll come with some Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia specific verbiage for this. There's that demons there, so I'm maybe overthinking it. Let us know your suggestions on Twitter. I'm fascinated. I didn't even consider that they could just change it. 
Oh, that's opened up a whole avenue of fun for us to have maybe on, on this the preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah save it for the preview. We need content for the preview because they don't give us any content to they preview. Give us loads of matches at least for next week. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they're trying to uh, be six by AW again. It's supersized, baby. Uh, right, well, let us know your thoughts on this episode of SmackDown on Twitter and your suggestions for the alternative titles for Hell in a Cell. Don't do the Rage in the Cage, penis in your ass. Don't do Heck in a Deck because it's... Uh, it's a. I think that's... a. a Muted word from all of us here at What Culture. Heckin' piss off. Yeah, p- heckin' yeah. is the worst part there ever. Is it the worst part ever? Could be. I mean, I'm speaking to a literal chonk, and he doesn't like heckin' either, so. Yeah, I mean, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? But he is a good boy. Walkies after this. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Wilborn on Twitter. Where can people find you, Sidge? Um, Sidgewick. Follow me. Uh, follow us all, actually, sorry. At What Culture WWE. Actually... Before I forget as well, if you are one of our British listeners, some great news ahead of Survivor Series. We are teaming up yet again with Top Rope Brewing to bring you a craft beer box, Survivor Beeries, as we are calling it here. Uh, If you order it now, you will get it well in advance of Survivor Series. 12 beers, there's even a surprise in the box. It's this part of this Top Rope versus What Culture drinking party we're going to have. It's all to celebrate Survivor Series and Top Rope's Fifth birthday. It's forty-five pounds all in and free delivery for what culture listeners. Just you have to go in and put the code in. Here's why this sold out last time. Unfortunately, as I said, it's just for our UK listeners. We are working uh, to sort out a US version, uh, but we will provide all the details for you uh, in the tweet about this podcast. I'll stick it in the comments uh, underneath so you can get that. But yes, go there, click on the link and put in the code. Here's why 45 quid all in for 12 craft beers, which you and I know is an absolute bargain. So just to remind me, if I wanted to hop on over and get my hands on this offer, where would I go again? You just go on at WhatCulturesWWE's Twitter. I'll stick a link underneath the link for this podcast. You click on that, you put in the code. Here's why if you're in the UK, free delivery, 45 quid all in for 12 delicious beers from Top Rope Brewing, uh, all ahead of Survivor Series. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today with the AW Rampage review and the preview from Monero. Uh, but for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.